Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. Pardon me, boy. Is this the Transylvania station? Yeah, yeah. Truck 29. I'm the dude. Play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. Oh, I get all misty-eyed when I hear that. It's Simon Rose here. I'm loving that clip from Casablanca, my favourite film. I am joined as ever by James Cameron Wilson. We're going to talk about what is happening in the current UK box office. So... James, uh, what excitements do we have? Well, you may remember that last weekend we had a slight dip of 5%, but I'm happy to say it's actually jumped up 12.7% last weekend, due largely to one film, but we've got three new widescreen releases, all of which I managed to see. But the yes, one... and I'm, I'm, my memory can go back one week because I seem to remember last week was we thought was the first weekend where we'd actually had five films taking over one million since the pandemic started. That is right. That's what we thought. And this weekend we have four that have grossed over one million pounds. So things mm-hmm. are looking up. Super. And yes, the number one film is called Uncharted. And it's been in. Pro- pre-production for 14 years and had various (laughs) directors attached, including, listen to this, David O. Russell, Sean Levy, and Neil Berger. It is, of course, based on the video game of the same name. And once I heard Which I confess I've never heard. (laughs) Well, once I heard that, my heart sunk, because Mm. like you, I hadn't heard of the video game. But I'm not hugely fond of films based on video games. It is the story of an adventurer in the mould of Indiana Jones. And the star attached was Mark Wahlberg way back when, who seemed to fit the bill. But he's now getting on a bit. So the role went to Tom Holland, one of the biggest box office attractions at the moment in the world. Mm. However, Wahlberg, aged 50, can you believe it, stays on as a mentor figure in the life of our protagonist Nathan Drake and I felt he dialed in his performance uh, kind of on speed dial but yes, without yes. the speed yes. uh, and to think <laughs> that Wahlberg was once the young buck in town I know himself. it makes me feel old yes <laughs> well in the film that launched him Boogie Nights in which Burt Reynolds played his mentor figure hmm. I, I didn't have huge expectations of Uncharted but the film really opens on a high with a close-up of a ring on a neck cord, seemingly dancing in the air of its own volition. We then realise that it's around the neck of Drake, Tom Holland, and he's hanging onto a cargo strap from the hold of an aircraft several thousand feet above the ground. And if that is not frightening enough, Steve Waddington is trying to shoot him. 
We then leave Holland in mid-air, literally, and cut back 12 years to Boston, where young Nathan is 10 years old and hanging out with his older brother, Sam. Mm. Sam is fascinated by ancient codes and his namesake, Francis Drake, and attempts to steal the fabled Magellan's map of the world before being caught and then escaping into the night. And for 14 years, young Nathan is not to see him again, while receiving mysterious postcards from around the world. In the interim, Nathan has learnt Latin, and we find him now in New York City, where he's a, a bartender with an astonishing sleight of hand, mixing cocktails and spinning bottles, like Tom Cruise in the film. Cocktail, Tom yes. Nathan, cocktail. But... Um, Uncharted, which has ended up being directed by Ruben Fleischer, who I really like as a director, seems to have a reason for everything. And Drake's ledger domain is acquired more for pickpocketing than juggling cocktail shakers. And Tom Holland has really got it down pat. Not only that, but he's built up a torso that will make his female followers swoon, not to mention his girlfriend, Zendaya. And he was pretty buff in Spider-Man. But Mm. here, uh, he's trying to catch up with Mark Wahlberg when Mark Wahlberg was that age. This is really Tom Holland's movie. And he enters it with the dedication of a method actor, whether he's swinging on a rope from a helicopter or rescuing a damsel underwater. Mm. Why am I not surprised that he will next be playing Fred Astaire on film in a new film biography? True story. And not bizarre. Well, that's well, going to be staggeringly different, given he's one of the, I don't know, one of the top ten tap dancers ever, probably. Uh, well, well, I guess Bab CGI will will help. Who knows? Well, let's not forget that Tom Holland started in a musical, dancing musical, in Billy Elliot on stage. Mm. So yes, he's got okay. the moves. Oh, I suppose so. Yes, I've forgotten that. Yeah, I've forgotten that. Mm. Well, fantasy. Well, also Frederick, here he has... Frederick Auslis. I suddenly remembered Auslis was Astaire's first name, wasn't oh, it? Oh, well done. Okay. Yeah, some well, odd here things Tom Holland also has to put on, obviously, a flawless American mm. accent, which we know he can do. Yeah. And I can hear every word he says, which is more than I can say for <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yes. When the latter enters the movie, the energy level drops. And largely because the man won't open his mouth. And I stopped knowing what was meant to be going on. Far be it for me to tell you the story, though, other than to say it involves hidden gold and invaluable bejeweled crucifix that various shady figures are prepared to kill for and picturesque trips to Barcelona and the Philippines. However, once I had adjusted my ears to Wahlberg's lazy vocal delivery, I did rather enjoy his self-deprecatory performance in which his machismo is repeatedly dented by the younger man Hmm. who is meant to be training for the job, the job being the heist of the century. Wahlberg is now so old that he needs his reading glasses to decipher the script on an ancient text. Although if I am as agile as Wahlberg, when I get to 50, I will be a happy man. (laughs) Don't say anything else. Uh, Wahlberg plays Victor Sullivan or Sully to his enemies because he has no friends having double-crossed everybody he knows. And Sully needs an accomplice in order to follow the cryptograms leading to the missing stash of bullion. In fact, the pair have a wonderful 
sort of tetchy chemistry, with Wahlberg insisting he is more than an inch taller than Holland, which is open to debate. They are both listed as five foot eight on IMDb, while Nathan Drake is aghast by Sully's technical illiteracy. Looking at his phone, he says, you have so many apps open. What's wrong with you? This aside, <laughs> the film barely stops for breath. There are two colourful supporting turns from Sophia, Ali and Tati Gabrielle, and the visual set pieces are constantly inventive. And unlike so many other movies based on video games, this one seems genuinely set in the real world, like when Wahlberg attempts to break through a sheet of glass, but is thwarted at every turn. As you know, that for me is the litmus test of whether or not I can take a film seriously. Yeah, well, if, glass, and yes, if windows so break or not. Sugar glass, I think, is what it used to be. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. Called. Um, and so tell me, how much did that actually take in the weekend? Uh, it take the hang on, let me just um it took four point seven million pounds. Mm, pretty respectable opening. Very yeah. respectable. But then Tom Holland is incredibly hot at the moment. Mm. Uh well, and I laughed and was mm -hmm. kept on my, the edge of my seat. Uh for what looks like, judging by the mid-credits cliffhanger, the first in a welcome new franchise for Tom Holland. I really enjoyed myself. Sorry. Well, that's a phrase I don't often hear from you. Welcome new franchise. Well, um, I, I know. And I have been a bit critical of recent releases. So it was good to see something that I really enjoyed. And I could tell funny. that the audience around me were enjoying it as well. And it was well, well we attended. Should, we should take a break before we get to the next review. Is the next film down um, a new one or an old one? Or should we take a break now? Or do you just go down until we're about to go into a review? Let's go down a rung of the okay. ladder to sing two, which I also can highly recommend. I loved it much more than you liked the original Sing, and I think it's a very strong sequel. Uh, that made 3.2 million in its third weekend mm. for a total of 16.8 million, and it's now made 17 as we speak. So yeah, that is doing incredibly well. The box office is looking healthy, and we have a new film at number three after the break. Then we shall certainly pause for a moment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to the Business of Film on Share Radio, where I am, of course, in conversation with James Cameron Wilson. So we're down to number three on our box office chart. James, what is that? Well, it made £1.9 million. Now, you may or may not recall that I was not a fan of Kenneth Branagh's remake of Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express. I can still remember the review. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> so I didn't exactly have high expectations of Kenneth Branagh's remake of Agatha Christie's Death on the Nile, which is the film we are talking about. Mm. However, it is better. The prologue is particularly striking. 
when we discover the reason for Hercule Poirot's monstrous moustache and for its and for his stature as a single gentleman. In fact, Branagh, working from a script by Michael Green, attempts to invest the same humanity in Poirot as No Time to Die did for James Bond, two of the world's most famous fictional mm. crime fighters. Um, Death on the Nile opens in the trenches of the Second World War with a sequence that establishes both the ingenuity and the physical and mental scars acquired by the Belgian mastermind. Shot in glorious black and white, a la Branagh's Belfast, it is a standalone chapter that would make a very strong short in its own right. Do you ever remember seeing a film called The Officer's Ward? Don't think I do, no. Uh, it was 20 years ago. I happened to have caught up with it again last week on my film night. And obviously, Branagh has seen The Officer's Ward. And it's one of these weirdly coincidental things that he was obviously inspired and built his prologue around The Officer's Ward, which is set in an officer's ward on the first day of the First World War. And it's very, very similar. But it's shot in striking black and white. And we do get to know the backstory of Hercule Poirot. And I forgive him for that. And if he is going to copy, he should copy from the best. <laughs> right. In fact, as a director, I, I really felt he was on the top of his game here. Where I felt Belfast was quite stagey, theatrical and artificial. And it felt like the whole film was set on one street built on a soundstage. Death on the Nile, just sweet. It's so cinematic in contrast. And there's one sequence, I think it's a drone shot, where it's cover, It's scooting around a pyramid which seems to inverse itself so that it feels hollow for a second and then solid. And there's a lot of underwater sequences where you've got the wonderful surface calm of the Nile. And then the camera will dip beneath and you'll see all this killing going on. And there's a scene where a fish devours another fish. And there's a sequence where a crocodile jumps out of the water and gets maybe an ibis. I'm not very good on my birds. Mm -hmm. But cinematically, he's really enjoying himself. Another highlight is hearing Gal Gadot, who used to be the highest paid actress in the world, quoting Shakespeare's Cleopatra. You know, the, oh, happy horse to bear the weight of Antony speech. It is revealed early on that her character, a beautiful heiress, now on honeymoon in Egypt, snatched that part of Cleopatra from her best friend at school. But incidentally, Gal Gadot is now playing the Egyptian queen in a new film of the same name, based on a story that Gal Gadot herself wrote. Okay, bizarre, um, right. So it is better, it's much better than Brenner's Murder on the Orient Express, but is still pretty dull when it needs to be suspenseful. And there is never any sense of fear or empathy for the characters, colourful as they may be. French and Saunders, Jennifer and Dawn, mm. are completely wasted, as is Russell Brand in a mysteriously minor and underplayed role. Nobody is allowed to step on Branagh's thespian toes, as it's hard for anybody to shine in the shade of that, that extraordinary moustache. In mm. spite of a cast that includes Annette Benning, with a, another British accent, Sophie Okanido with an American accent, and Army Hammer with a British accent, 
If anybody stands out at all, for me, it was Emma Mackey as Gadot's school friend, Jackie, and the former fiancé of Army Hammer, who is snatched from under her nose by Gadot, whereby hangs a murderous motive. I will say no more. I'm trying to remember if the other version, the Peter Usenoff one, was any good now. So long ago since I've seen it, I can't remember. Murder on the Orient Express is the more famous one, but no, I don't either. But going back back to Emma Mackey, because I Mm. do think she was the best thing in it, besides Branagh, Mm. she's best known for her role as Maeve Wiley in Sex Education on Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. She's very good. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, okay. Yes. But I, I only know I've only seen one episode of Sex Education, and people keep on saying I've got to stick. It is them. it is extremely good? Yes, and, and she's got the female lead, obviously, besides um, Gillian Anderson. But she's now got the title role. She's about to shoot, or is shooting, Emily, based on the life of Emily Bronte, directed by the Australian actress Frances O'Connor, who, of course, played Fanny Bryce mm, in mm. Mansfield Park, um, mm. AI, artificial intelligence, and so forth, and. Frances O'Connor is yet another actress to join that swelling rank that mm, we are, mm. Olivia Wilde, Greta Gerwig, you name them, who are all... Uh, and Romolo Garay has a new film out as well. Extraordinary. Right, so that's number three, James. We're going to have to race down through the charts. I think you said there was another film you've seen, wasn't there? There is one more. Well, funny enough, at four, guess what we have? We have Belfast. Oh, <laughs> right. Was at number three. So how nice is that? But Competing with himself, Mr. Brown. Competing with himself. Uh, Belfast, which made 1,050,000 last weekend, down a gentle 29%, with a total of £11.2 million. Pounds. At number five, we've got the execrable Jack Ass Forever, which was at number two, down 52%, with a total of £4 million. And we have a new film at number six which I will tell you about because I've seen that as well. Now, recently, a fellow critic itemised three clichés to avoid in every rom-com. A plush Manhattan apartment, which so very few of us can afford, Hmm. the morning after scene in a dress shirt, and a handwritten sign or placard. Well, I'm proud to say that all three crop up in Marry Me, a new rom-com directed by Kat Coiro and starring and produced by Jennifer Lopez with Owen Wilson. It takes the Notting Hill blueprint of what if a celebrity and an ordinary Joe meet up and hook up and it milks it for all it's worth. Of course, it's a very seductive premise and few people come in more attractive and glamorous packages than Jennifer Lopez. Well, Owen Wilson is the perfect everyman, as was, of course, Hugh Grant. Owen Wilson plays Charlie Gilbert, a divorced maths teacher with a geriatric bulldog called Tank, played by Romeo, I noticed, and a 12-year-old daughter, Chloe Coleman, who no longer thinks her dad is cool. She seems to live (laughs) on a distant planet compared to him, is totally into social media, and particularly into the Latino singer Cat Valdez, and is humiliated when her father shouts, love you, as she enters yes. the school grounds. She's 12. Charlie just needs a hug. He's divorced. And preferably not a hug from a dog that on their walk is together, he ends up having to carry the damn animal. And, of course, on the opposite end of the spectrum is Cat Valdez, Jennifer Lopez, a superstar whose every move is monitored on social media. 
and who's surrounded by an army of obsequious enablers. And her manager, played by John Bradley, a Mancunian actor best known for his role as Samuel Tarly in something called Game of Thrones. Mm. Of course, he was in Moonlight, which I reviewed. Yeah, I remember. Weeks ago. Yes, I remember. Moon, yes. Moonfall, Moonfall. Moonfall, yes. And you said you knew him. Well, from Game of Thrones, yes. Well, yeah, I'd never seen him before, Wonderful. so yeah. to see him yeah. twice. I mean, he's very good. Anyway, Cat has a new hit single out called Marry Me, a duet with none other than her fiancé, Bastion, played by the Colombian singer Maluma, and they have decided to get married at a concert and to take their vows on television in front of a video-streamed audience of untold millions. It is going to be the most watched wedding of the century, although I can't believe it could top Harry and Meghan's nuptial extravaganza. But be that as it may, this is a big deal. And Lou, Charlie's daughter, is given tickets by Charlie's colleague, Parker, the wonderful Sarah Silverman, and she and Parker good, yes. and Charlie attend the concert. Although Charlie is not even sure who Cat Valdez is. Lou has even handcrafted a placard with the name of her favourite song, mm. Marry Me, which she hands to her father when she whips out her phone to record the most sensational moment in celebrity history. But seconds before Kat is to take her vows, she discovers that a video of her fiancé's infidelity has gone viral. What is a star in the spotlight on her wedding day to do? She spots Owen Wilson, Charlie, in the audience with his Marry Me placard. And one thing leads to another. And Charlie, being the perfect gentleman, resolves not to spoil her moment in the sun. Quite how the film wriggles out of this predicament is the fun bit. And of course, we are all rooting for these two exceptionally attractive people to find a happy resolution, even if they exist in opposite worlds. Of course, Jennifer Lopez is playing a variation of her own persona. Both she and Kat Valdez have been married and divorced three times. And she is a highly attractive, extremely successful singer. It's been five years since I've seen Owen Wilson on, on screen. And I've forgotten how funny he can be. And here he's served by a terrific script adapted oh. from the graphic novel by Bobby Crosby which has more than its fair share of great lines. I was scribbling down the dialogue. I, I really thought it was very, very funny. And I was just rooting for this too. Now, as a general rule, I find that everybody has something in common. And the moment that touched me, well, there were many moments that really touched me, but there was that moment that really touched me when the ordinary maths teacher realised that the world-famous superstar also had a thing for the poet, John Keats. And it's funny, it's the smallest things that can unite two people. And I found that very touching. Good gracious. It's been a long time since we had, well, first of all, it's been a long time since we had a rom com, but it's been a long time since we had a rom com that you recommended, James. Well, I think a rom com, obviously, like a whodunit, is very generic and it has to tick certain boxes. But the thing about a whodunit is that all the characters should be suspicious of murder, so they're not very empathetic. Hmm. Whereas a rom-com should be funny and it should be romantic. A Marry Me is funny and it is romantic. And, well, it's not Notting Hill, but I think it was quite savvy. It knows all about social media and hmm. uh, 
on platform streaming, which is what the film is all about. And Owen Wilson, of course, is totally lost. And you can empathise with that as well. Mm. He's just in this total new world. And it's just, can we have a moment together that isn't sponsored? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just full of these great lines. I really okay. enjoyed it. Right. Well, we'll have to stop, Jake, because we've still got three more briefly to mention because we're out of time. So terribly quickly, please. Uh, number seven, starring the biggest box office man in the world, Spider-Man No Way Home. Number eight, Moonfall with John Bradley and Halle Berry. Number nine, Scream, down 67% and deservedly. And number 10, Parallel Mothers. Right, James, thank you very much. Very brief indeed. That's uh, James Cameron Wilson. We've been talking about the business of film. We'll be back with more at the same time next week. We all go a little mad sometimes. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! We rob banks. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>